You're listening to the very first episode of Story Now, and today we are interviewing our very good friend, Gary Bontrager of Gary Bontrager Consulting. A little gratitude will make your garden grow. A little gratitude is good for your soul. I'm your host, John Choate, and with me, as always, is my producer, James Roth. I think you sound too official. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you want to sound super official, you can. But if you want to sound, like, relatable. Yeah. I think... think, So you're saying that the intro voice that I just did uh is different than how I sound right now. Yes. So how I sound right now is normal. Yes. Okay. And then what I just did was, hi. <laughs> You're listening to Story Now. Yes. Okay. I kind of like the way that sounds. Okay. You're listening <laughs> to Story Now. Well, we are so excited to talk with Gary Bontrager today. We're going to share that conversation with you here shortly. James, as our producer, um, you know, one of the things that I think is very interesting is um, you're younger than I am, and at some point you want to own your own business. And so I am three years into owning Storyline Multimedia. So I think some of the things that we pick up on in the conversations are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious with our conversation with Gary Bontrager, what were some of the things that stuck out in your mind or? Um, just some of the things you found really interesting. Yeah. So, um, I'd have to say the biggest thing was, I think there was one part of the podcast where he says something along the lines of, oh, and you know, and then I did that, I did that for 12 years or I did that for 13 years. And I realized that like his knowledge on consulting and on running a business is learned knowledge. You know, it's, he's had the time to develop all that knowledge. It's not like he's reading this stuff out of a book. Like mm-hmm. he's got the, the experience. And so I think it's the realization that just some, some things you just can't learn from a book, you know, and, and having someone who's experienced all those things can help you a great deal in navigating them. And so, yeah. Yeah. Agree with you 100%. I think the thing that stuck out to me the most, and you'll hear him talk about this is just, uh, sort of his, uh, at one point, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he just said, I want to serve others so that they can be more successful than I am. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just, I feel like I've never heard that in the context of a business consultant. Right. I've, I've heard them talk about wanting to serve others, Mm -hmm. but the idea of, I want them to be even more successful than I am. Mm hmm just was a very, um, I just think it was a very humble thing to do. And, um, I don't know. I just, I've, I found an, uh, a new respect for Gary and his team and, and what he's building. So oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, without further ado, here is our conversation with Gary Bontrager. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Gary. Um, you know, we've had the pleasure of working together for, <clears throat> I want to say over a year now, uh, producing video content. And it's been really fun for me to see the evolution, the evolution of your journey 
And what I mean by that is we originally started off by doing Century Insurance content, and now we're uh, come down to, uh, it's kind of evolved into uh, your consulting business. So um, one of the things I, I was just curious about, and I don't think a lot of people know this, and I've had the privilege of talking to you kind of behind the scenes about this, but I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about sort of your childhood and because you grew up Amish um, and then at, at, at some point obviously left because right. we're recording. <laughs> right? So that means you're not Amish. But um, can you talk a little bit about that journey and then sort of how you started your insurance company and then we'll... After that, we'll talk a little bit about the transition into the consulting. All right. You may be here for a while. Okay. <laughs> but I'll try to condense this story we, down. We can cut as much. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Now, really, uh, I guess to back way up, my parents grew up uh, Old Order Amish, and there's a lot of variations of that. Mm -hmm. So I just, I'll give a little bit of background on that as we get started. Uh, and my family came from Oklahoma, and when they made the move from Oklahoma to Iowa, they joined a group called Beachy Amish. And so really the only differences were we had black cars, uh, electricity, a telephone in our house, and rubber tires on our farm machinery. Okay. Those were the four differences. And so- Did it have to be a black car? Yes. Yes. Why Why black? I'm curious. Uh, I couldn't answer that. Okay. There was probably some scripture that went with that. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> about a motor vehicle, only. but, but yeah. yeah, that that was that was uh, I guess uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because Henry Ford built all black cars when okay. he started. I <laughs> I really don't know. Okay. Uh, but that was really the difference. So mm -hmm. the the group I grew up in was called Beachy Amish, and they've evolved quite a bit over the years. And a lot of those groups have uh, obviously there's all different types of even old order and new order mm -hmm. and different things that have come out of that. So. Uh, still grow, grew up, you know, homemade clothes and had the whole family dynamic working on a farm together, grew up on a farm and, um, was, was, uh, was really life as we knew it. We went to a, uh, uh, country school and so we didn't really mingle with, you know, English kids as is their term of endearment, you okay. know, for folks that are, didn't grow up with them. So, um. Uh, but it, that that was my childhood. It was uh, it was it was unique, but I I can't really say anything real bad about it. I mean, sure. it was uh, culturally just uh, the way of life at that right. point. So did your did your parents leave or did you leave? Uh, the I guess or I'm backing up. Well, they left when they moved to Iowa. They joined that Beachy Amish group, and then uh, my mother's still in that group. Okay. Yeah. And I have, I think, a brother or two uh, that would be in that group. And then I left, I think I was probably a late teenager at some point. And okay. just kind of was, it was time to explore what else was out there. Sure. And so I kind of moved on and, uh, uh, which kind of was a path, which took me a lot of different directions for a while. Mm -hmm. But yep, yeah. that was, it was my decision to do that. Yeah. So how did that sort of um, pave the way? for getting into uh, and starting Century Insurance? Well, there's been a few businesses in between that. I've always been a very entrepreneurial-minded person, and I'm just going to dive into this just a little bit to set a little bit of the background of it. Mm -hmm. So we grew up on, on, I would say, a large at that time, uh, dairy, hog farm, row crop farm, and uh, I have 
uh, four brothers, two younger, two older. And my oldest brother was already married and out of the house. But uh, one one thing culturally is that they we work together in a family unit, which is probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things, you know, kind of depending on the size of the staff you had to help in that time is what, what uh, you know, so I don't know if that was the thought process behind my father's um, efforts in having the size of farm he had, but he was trying to create workforce or what that was. But then when I was 15 years old, he passed away. And when that happened, it really shifted a lot of things. But I just remember as a 15-year-old just thinking, you know, if I don't take care of these animals, if I don't do this and this, make sure there's oil in the tractors, that's on me now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a kid, you don't think about that as much, but it kind of raised the level of responsibility. And my father had done some custom farming for others. Um, I had kind of then picked up and taken that role on. We kind of divided amongst the brothers and and, uh, and a brother-in-law came back in and on the farm and helped us a few years. So even as a 16-year-old kid, I was taking phone calls, scheduling work, collecting money, um, really didn't think anything of it. But mm-hmm. it probably set the stage for me to be an entrepreneurial-minded person for the rest of my life. So uh, as the young, younger brothers came along, I had less interest in farming at that time, and I was a mechanic. So I got into doing mechanic work and got a job in town and did a lot of side work, uh, even out on the farm. And then I uh, uh, moved to northern Indiana for a couple of years and was getting into business out there, but an opportunity arose that for me to come back to the Iowa City area. Okay. And I opened a repair shop and a towing business and did that for 12 years. Oh, wow. And okay. uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's kind of what really set the stage for all of this, where I'm at today. Um, I worked extremely hard. I had more 80-hour weeks than I ever had a 50-hour week. And uh, I just uh, uh, grew up with the mentality that, you know, you work hard and everything else takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. But I, what I know now is I worked hard. I was still broke. I didn't know how to manage a business. Uh, and I started as a 24-year-old or 25-year-old kid. I, you know, mm-hmm. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And after 12 years, I was at a complete burnout stage. So I, did, I just had it. And by then I had kids and, you know, I needed to be somewhere else than, than my business mm-hmm. and working all the time. So when I went to sell it, my insurance agent at the time just go, asked me, you know, I had informed him that I was selling and he just said, you know, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I have no idea. I'll get a sales job of some type because that's what I enjoyed out of everything I did in building that business. Because that business in 12 years, I had grown, we, we would run 15 to 18 employees. Oh. And so it was a pretty good size uh, operation, but um, it wasn't real productive financially. I see. <laughs> and so uh, at that stage, he goes, well, you ever thought of insurance? Thought never crossed my mind. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it was the furthest thing from my mind. And well, if you pass the test, you're good to go. And just uh, going to a small country school with my education background, I didn't expect to pass the test. Mm-hmm. but I did. That's <laughs> so awesome. that's where I'm at. That's why I'm where I'm at today. Uh, and then that was a bit of a process to get to where I finally started my own business and um, started Century Insurance. But most people in insurance you'll find are in, the, in that line of work by accident. It's mm-hmm. not something uh, you're starting to see more and more of uh, 
you know, the University of Iowa now has a program if you want to major in insurance or do a minor in it. But a lot of folks, it's either their family's already been in it or there's some something that just kind of put them in that position to work there. But uh, that that's what got me into the insurance side of it. So I really had a whole career ahead of that mm-hmm. with, uh, with a repair shop and a towing business. I even had a used car dealership for several years in there too during oh, wow. that time. So I've I've kind of really shifted from the whole farm to automotive and now into the professional side of things. But, yeah. But really those experiences are what led me ultimately where we'll get to, and that is on the coaching side of things. Yeah. So, I, you know, and part of the fun thing about doing these podcasts is I feel like we're just recording conversations we'd have. Right. Anyways. And one of the things that, um, you know, maybe I'll just set this segue up for you that I found interesting was you sort of fell into the consulting thing, what you're doing now by helping your insurance clients. Is that correct? Do you want to kind of talk about the evolution of that? Sure. Um, One thing that I was always taught was, you know, you need to work hard. Don't jump around. Don't change jobs. You know, it was just hard work. And culturally, that culture has a lot of skilled labor. Mm Mm-hmm. But what I see today is there's a tendency to maybe not understand the business side of a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not a lot of confidence in their business prowess sometimes because, you know, they can be a good framer, plumber, mechanic, what, whatever it is. And uh, so um, what ended up really happening is I brought in a business coach to help me in the insurance business because... I was getting to a stage where the business again was growing and I didn't want to repeat the mistakes I had made basically in what I always call my prior life because mm-hmm. it was so segmented, uh, segmented and how that, uh, how, how I, you know, chose different careers, mm-hmm. but I did not want to repeat that and I wanted to be successful. So I brought a business coach in, okay. which was absolutely instrumental and just changed a lot of things for me. It yeah. was, it was just one of those. I call them vector moments. It's just that moment where the course of your life just changes the direction again. Mm. And that's that's what happened when I brought him in. And then sharing with my coach, I was just, you know, I would have a new business that would start up. I'd, you know, help them find a CPA, an attorney. I'd give them a lot of advice. We'd spend, you know, some hours together mm-hmm. and uh, kind of help them put some processes together. And then somebody would come in and either shoot them a better price by a couple hundred bucks and they just go with them or two, three years in financially, they're in trouble. They don't, you know, they don't have uh, any way to move forward. And now obviously one of your big expenses in any business can be insurance, especially if it's, you're in like the construction trades and things where there's a lot of property. Um, so that, that would be the one first thing that, well, we've got to shop this around. we got to start looking, mm-hmm. uh, or they just can't pay the premiums, period, and they're out of business, you know. And so it was kind of out of that need that um, I felt, and with encouragement from my coach, that I felt there was a big gap there that I could fill just by um, helping my clients. And I kind of had a dual purpose there, maybe make a little extra money, but my ultimate goal was to keep keep them from going out of business and right. to run a viable business and not just hit burnout like I had in the past. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of what really morphed into me as, to me doing that and just really assuming at that time 
that I'd have one or two clients and, you know, they'd kind of come and go and that was kind of going to be how that worked. But uh, the millennial crowd is very different and raised very differently than I am. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was, I think, 26 years old when I got my first phone and it was a bag phone and it didn't even store a number. (laughs) Today, (laughs) the the kids walk around today and run into things because if they want to watch a two minute video and another two minute video or they want to know where to go eat and anything. And, yeah. I, and I do it too. Yeah. You know, they're just on their phones. It, it happens quickly. And mm-hmm. so uh, what I'm finding, what I really enjoy and, and, it, and I'll back up with this a little bit. Every generation is supposed to be the next train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. always, you know, my generation, we were just, you know, we were ungrateful. We wanted to stop working, go to the movies and sure. eat, eat McDonald's. And now, you know, the next ones, they had all this technology, which would be their ruin. But frankly, I find it really interesting and enjoy working with the millennial group because they have a level of impatience and yet they also have a level of achievement at the same time that Mm -hmm. they want. So, you know, I might have to work 10 years was how I was taught to learn all the lessons I need to make sure that I'm headed down the right path. Mm -hmm. These folks would rather just pay you to come in and sit down and help them draw up a plan and work with them so that mm-hmm. we're there next year. Yeah. And that's just really the big difference in it. So there's there's a lot of things that, that uh, you know, even the kids that are in elementary today, I just, I go, they're going to be okay. They're, yeah. <laughs> they're going to do it different than even the millennial yeah. crowd will. And I just hope they have the grace to embrace what their approach is going to be. Yeah. But, well, I, you know, one of the things that I, I love about what you're saying and about, <clears throat> you know, helping the next generation, um, really, that's why we started a podcast is, you know, we get to work with so many great people that have that passion of, you know, and, and a lot of their stories lend to making other people's lives better, or right. maybe, you know, they can take a shortcut and, you know, maybe learn through your experience as opposed to having to go through that. So one thing I find with that statement, and I don't know, uh, I don't really work and none of my clients, if I sit down and interview every one of my clients right now, I can promise you they're number one, two and three things, probably not going to be the money they make. Mm -hmm. I sit down and interview clients who don't hire me. And I can absolutely tell you almost immediately the money they make is their number one. And when that happens, they're not going to hire me because I'm an expense. But to all the others, I'm an investment. Right. And what's interesting is I've interviewed people who are literally maybe three and four miles apart, like, you know, to, to be a coach for them in a business. And, you know, I've got one example in mind in particular. They, uh, in, you know, when I, the ones that hired me couldn't afford to, and they were just struggling. The other one could have easily and could have grown his business tremendously. He chose not to. Mm-hmm. And, Size-wise, like they're not on the same planet anymore. Mm. So the ones that were struggling are, they've surpassed the one that was concerned about the money just, I mean, almost tenfold. I mean, it's just insane how that's changed. But when folks have have an attitude of wanting to serve and help others, Mm -hmm. it's, that's what changes everything. And, and, you know, money, I always tell people, we have to look at the money because, we relate a lot of things, especially in America to sports. Mm-hmm. There's always a scoreboard and money's really the only scoreboard we have in business. Right. 
So that's the one measurement we can use. It tells us what our success is, but if it's our priority, right. we're going to do things a lot differently. So, yeah. Well, and I, I would imagine that with a lot of the businesses you work with, there's probably a conversation about uh, time being a relative currency, yes. you know, of, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, just with my business, uh, my wife and I are having this conversation all the time is, yes, we could take it to this level, but then that means maybe I'm not picking up the kid from daycare, right. Right. you know, and so... Is that, is that kind of a, a thing that you emphasize is how valuable people's time is? That happens in, with every client. And the interesting part is, depending how you structure your business and hire folks, you can pick your child up from daycare a lot more than you do probably currently. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely, because money, we can always measure and see exactly how much we have. And at some point, we can easily know how to get more of it. It's not that difficult. But the time is the one thing we have no idea how much we have. And once it's spent, it's gone. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of times I'll go through an exercise, uh, especially with somebody who's maybe struggling with efficiencies. Okay. Where we'll break down their work day into 15 and 30 minute segments. And it'll just be mind blowing and almost numbing to them when they get to the end of the day and they realize they just absolutely wasted three and a half hours of an eight hour day. Hmm. And they're just sitting there going, how did that even possibly happen? And it might even just be with some phone conversations with no agendas. Right. It's just a buddy calling and we're going to just shoot the you know breeze for 30 minutes. Yeah. And we may be called uh, one of the employees to ask a quick question and we needed that answer. It took two minutes. 30 minutes later, we're still on the phone. Right. And, you know, there's, there's some relationship and team building and things that need to happen, but you need to structure that mm -hmm. so that it's efficient because we all create cultures in our business. And if you're doing those things, you're creating a culture of inefficiency and your employees may love you, but they also at some point will leave you because they want to make more money and they're not being rewarded for the work they're maybe feeling they're putting in. They may go somewhere else and they may have to work harder or mm -hmm. be more efficient, but they're going to be rewarded for it. So it's yeah. a balance. It's, it's the thing you never know what, what you have in inventory. So right. you just, uh, and again, I go back to that. I talk about it a lot. I know it's a conversation a lot of folks don't enjoy, but I de dealt with mortality at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's, it's, uh, I can kind of, you know, there's really three types of people. Uh, uh, we can either stay the same, we can get better, or we can get worse. And if we want to get better, which is who I work with, then time is obviously a paramount factor in what we're doing. Right. That's, that's awesome. You know, and I think that's probably just, you know, one element that you work with, um, with on, uh, work with your clients on. Um, so I'm just curious you know, when somebody approaches you for the first time and says, hey, we want to hire you, what's sort of the overview or what, what do you start with? Usually what we do is a, about a 30-minute interview. Okay. And it may be by phone or Zoom or in person. And uh, we're developing where there's going to be a, uh, where I shortly I'll have a form where everybody will fill out because then we can maybe tr start to match them up with the right person as well because I'm bringing multiple coaches in. Mm -hmm. But really we start to break down and figure out 
where they're at and what they want to accomplish. And then if we are even a fit for them, mm-hmm. uh, there's sometimes we're not. And so uh, there's times that somebody else may have a skill set that I don't have that would be better or another coach, even not even in my group, but that I know of that may have a certain ability that I don't have or resources. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's really what we start with is just, just a really an interview process. Mm-hmm. And you'll see in there a lot of times I, I have business coach, but I always have life coach in there. And it's, it's interesting uh, really how we have our lives in order is exactly how we're going to run our businesses. So I find that I probably spend really more time uh, working and working with people on their uh, uh, maybe maybe even just a lot of life things, okay. uh, confidence. Uh, and then when I work with a business, a lot of times I work with the sales staff. I'll do weekly calls with them. And more often than not, it's not a matter of going through and saying, well, did you make the 30 calls you needed to make, the 10 face-to-faces that you needed to have? It's where's your head at? How are you, you know, where are you at mentally? And mm-hmm. we really go through a lot of that a lot more. Are there relationship issues in your life we need to get taken care of so you can focus at work and you're there? So really I end up probably personally being more of a motivational and life coach than I, than I am mm. uh, business side, uh, business coach maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that you do a lot too is you do the personality tests. Yes. You want to talk a little bit about that because I, <clears throat> you know, I've had the privilege of uh, attending one of the the conferences that you put on, and, yep. and um, there were a lot of folks there that were like, "Hey, once we've figured out what kind of personality, especially you know, the higher up you are in the company, it made it easier to relate to that person because we understood them better." Right. So I I don't know if you want to talk about the importance of some some of that stuff, right? There's a multiple of personality assessments out there, and it's interesting about everybody that I talk to that is certified in doing one one brand or uh, style of those. I always say theirs is the best, but ultimately it comes back to what you understand. Hmm. The one we use is DISC, and okay. so it just talks about basically breaks it down into four personalities and then that you're going to be primarily uh one will be primary and another will be secondary and sometimes that'll vary and you'll have you know depending on what you're doing you might have certain personalities show up a little bit differently but um that's that's uh the one we use and really what that does is just an education tool to help us understand ourselves Mm -hmm. Uh, everybody reacts to scenarios differently and so we kind of are just built in with a fight or flight tendency. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I understand about myself now is when a certain situation starts to present itself, I didn't need to know, but maybe 25% of the information. And, you know, I could feel my face turning red, blood pressure hitting the top because I was prepared to fight back just like I always did as a kid. Mm-hmm. And now I can sit there and go, okay, I'm starting to feel this. Why am I feeling it? I can take myself through a little, some steps because I understand just because scenarios in my past or the personality that I am doesn't mean that somebody's attacking me. Mm -hmm. Somebody's maybe making a statement and it would be of my best interest to find out in full where the context is, what it's about. And just because 
my personality relates a certain way and is very direct does not mean the next person is, and they may mean something different than what, how I, if I were saying that, it may mean something different than if they're saying it or mm-hmm. you're saying it. So right. we really try to break that down because we find a lot of times in the workplace, uh, and that's one of the things we're getting into doing more and more is team building in office settings. Yeah. And we use this DISC personality a lot. It's just more than anything, it's people that don't, they don't maybe really understand their own personality, much less everybody else's. And so we can come in, do assessments on everybody, take them all through just the training process and explain to them how this works. And so if I'm going to come to you, I'm going to have to have a different approach than if somebody is, you know, somebody with a total different personality. Right. I, you know, I'm going to, one person's going to feel attacked. The other person's going to thank me because we didn't visit for 30 minutes. And it's back to what we're talking about with efficiencies. So, you know, I have employees. I know that if I'm in a big hurry and I need to accomplish a lot, I know their personalities. I know mine. And so I know that at some point, if they're talking too long, I'm going to be frustrated, tune them out. And my mind's totally off on my, what my next project's now going to be. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, and I know I'm under pressure, I will get up and walk into their office. So when I'm finished, I can stand up, thank them, and walk away. Okay. The next person I can call into my office, we'll sit there when I'm finished. I said, okay, that's all I need. And then if they start to talk, I said, I'm sorry, I'm busy. You need to leave. Yeah. And they'll leave. Mm-hmm. And they're not, you know, they'll chuckle as they walk away knowing, okay, that's right. Gary's had enough of me right now. He's sure. got another project coming up. So that's a little bit what the personality assessment tries to do. Right. And so it's just how we manage our time, how we relate. Uh, everybody has their own unique skill set. And that's what we're trying to help others understand that the world would be a boring place if we were all, all the same. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and that's so interesting, the, the whole aspect of time management, you know, and one of the things that I think is pretty fascinating is, um, you know, we've had many conversations. I tend to be overly nice. So I, it's hard for me to be the guy that says the t- time is up, you need to leave or, you know, something like that. So how do you work with somebody like, you know, that's really nice? How do you how do you get them to the point where they realize how valuable their time is and that they are going to potentially, like you're saying, they might waste three and a half hours. Right. One of the interesting things to back up with that, there's a lot of coaching programs out there and I've come in behind on some of these where, uh, for example, with realtors and I work with some of those that they'll get a call every week or every other week and it'll be, you know, did you do all these, you know, A, B, C, and D things? maker calls, you know, follow up on referrals, just all these things. When I deal with the salespeople, uh, what I find a lot of times, we'll, we'll spend five minutes on a 30 minute call doing that. Like mm. it might be as simple as, did you hit all your marks this week? And it's yes or no and no because of this. Mm. But we start going into a little bit more uh, the time management or why was your head not in the game so you weren't as efficient and productive as you were before. So those are a lot of the things that we end up going into on those calls. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that answers the question somewhat, but really uh, uh, as we set goals, we set these goals very differently maybe than some because there's always those sales goals out there. But ultimately uh, our mental strength and what our capacity is to be productive and efficient is a bigger deal 
and really how we schedule our our time than it is what our numbers are on the board. Mm -hmm. I mean, frankly, if we have a sales list, I can promise you by noon on Monday or Monday for sure, most of us can hit it if we would decide to. Sure. But that that doesn't mean we were efficient and effective on any of it. I mean, well, it does mean we're efficient, but it doesn't mean we're effective. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're taking a full week to hit these goals. So a lot of times when we set goals, if you're going to set goals with me, we will get into even your time management goals. Okay. What are some other things you're going to do? You know, if you want to hit the gym every week, then that's going to get put in there because okay. it's more a discipline thing than it is actually a physical exercise. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the things that we start to to look at. And so a lot of times my questions will start to then steer right back to, uh, you know, did you read a book this week? Did you listen to something motivational and positive first thing in the morning, every morning? Mm -hmm. uh, and some of those things will start to set the tone for your day. And, you know, what, what day this week did you feel like you really gave up a lot that you were that you could have efficiently used somewhere else? And we'll set up even where in the week. Um, I had one person this summer, you know, his goal was to have everything wrapped up by Friday and take a client golfing every Friday afternoon. And that was his reward for his time management. And okay. before, uh, what he found was he was putting passing all his marks for the week. He was surpassing all those, and he was finished by Friday. And the sales numbers were way up oh, from wow. they were before. Where what he was finding before is he was sitting in the office till six thirty, seven o'clock. And his wife and him had dinner plans, and he was late. Now he's finished at four, four th or at noon on Friday. He was able to go golf a few hours, and his numbers, sales numbers are up. And yeah. so it's just the time management piece of it, of being aware of it. So we really focus a lot on, on that, and we break it down individually and kind of personalize it. Yeah. So start with the end in mind. My clients will always hear that. That's kind of... Uh, uh, and none of them, I don't think to this day, have had a dollar figure in any of that in their end goals. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, there are, you know, support family, more time with family. Uh, those are those things are always in there. Yeah. Well, the, the, this kind of leads me into my next question. And <clears throat> it might be two separate questions. I don't know. But um, one of the clients that you had worked with and, uh, you know, please don't, you don't have to use names or anything, but uh, one of the ones that you were telling me about was um, a group that hi when you, they hired you, they, they were barely taking paychecks right. home themselves. And so within a year of working with you, correct me if I'm wrong, but they did over a million in sales. Is right. that right? Right. Yeah. And it's so, 258% growth in the first 12 months. Yeah. So right there, that's a testament of working with you right definitely helps especially if they listen um but one of the things that i was I'm, I'm curious about was was that the moment or was there a different moment where you thought this is it this consulting thing is the next step for me and and i guess what i'm trying to get at is i feel like for every business there's this aha moment of this could really work and so I'm just curious about your moment and whether or not it had to do with that client. Uh, you know, I'm just curious. Yeah, that client uh, would have had moments in there. Uh, 
there were a couple others too where certain things happened early on that were confirmations in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just when we reached the end of 2020 and uh, them along with another client, and at that point, I only had a several clients. That was during the pandemic. Yeah, it was during the pandemic. So they on top were of that. So and they not were only in, did they have that growth, but it was during and it was all during that. And it was, and the area they were in was somewhat sensitive, more sensitive maybe than some parts of the country. Okay. And to, to the pandemic and, uh, uh, they still maintain that growth through that process. Um, so yeah, it was that, that, well, that company as well as another one was, uh, I wouldn't say those were the moments. There were smaller moments leading up to it that I, that I knew I was on the right path with this, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, those were maybe things that solidified that my techniques and mindset does work. Mm-hmm. So that, that was probably more that, uh, I think it would have happened before that time. And, and a lot of what we're trying to do now is develop material and things where we can replicate these things on a larger scale. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're, you know, building out your website, you're making right. resources yeah. available. You have right. your own podcast, which is, really helpful. It's so fun hearing other, you know, the clients that right. you work with, um, sh- sort of share where they, um, what, what did you call it? The vector moments, yes. Yeah, yes. which is, is fascinating. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's just, we all have it within us. And I guess to go back to this, uh, some things, and you'll probably notice this, and I think you've mentioned that some things will get me excited and fire me up. And, uh, at the end of the day though, just because I know the journey and the road that I've traveled to get to where I'm at, I know that anybody can be successful mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, and we have an event coming up in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, in when I, it'll be, it'll come up in that conversation or in that speak speech that I'm doing there. Mm. Uh, a little bit more about my my background in depth in certain areas and certain things I went through, but. Uh, I know people can accomplish whatever they want. I mean, mentally, our bodies shut us down at 40%. And so I feel a responsibility to help everybody, I, everyone I can to reach their success. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's kind of uh, maybe maybe my, it is my mission statement. I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, we all want to sit around on the couch maybe and, you know, eat popcorn and things, but uh it's it's at the end of the day i really you know have a high desire to help others because there are people in my life that have helped me and i feel like that's how we're going to pass that on Mm -hmm. so uh and and then now i can see the techniques work yeah so did you do you have a a coach yourself do you have somebody that works with you I do. Yes. I, the coach I brought on that really was, I, what I would say was a vector moment in my life, uh, change. And I've had more than one of those in my life, but, uh, changed the course of my life. He absolutely, you know, still works with me. There's times, some years more than others, Mm -hmm. but again, recently he and I've really been working on some initiatives together and, uh, He's just a seasoned, experienced person, and yeah. uh, you know I think he's in his mid or upper sixties now, and you know just a wealth of knowledge. And yet, the one thing that often uh, I share with people, and I, I like the term coaching better than consulting, 
And the simple reason is just simply, uh, if I'm going to come in and be a consultant for you, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. I'm going to put a report back together and hand it to you and tell you, this is what I'd recommend you do. Mm -hmm. If I come in as your coach, we're on the same sideline. We're fighting for the same common goal. And I am helping you learn how to make decisions, maybe different decisions, go through a better decision-making process because I don't need to run your business. Mm-hmm. I don't have the relationships you have. I don't have the time. And it's, it's your business. It's not mine. So my goal is to help people learn how to create habits and patterns and maybe have a better understanding on decision-making so that they can function at a higher quality than what they, what they had before. So it's yeah. just a fresh perspective. Uh, but I certainly don't want to come in and run another business. Sure. I've got enough of those. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think what, you know, just what you're saying there and the thing that I admire the most is I'm always fascinated by those who help others, but then they're also getting help themselves. And so I don't know if that's, um, you know, something that you're the people that you work with notice, but anyways, that's just (laughs) something that stuck out to me is, you know, because yeah. I think, you know, so the consulting business, you're always right. wanting to get better and, you know, you right. want somebody to be looking at your business with a bird's eye view. Right. Too. And so I just think that that's really fun to see is somebody practicing what they're preaching, I guess, is what okay. I'm trying to say. That's a true statement. I don't know if the clients uh, really can see that or not. They will now. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes feel like I'm cheating them Uh, and not so much because I'm not giving them my best, but because I feel like I've walked away with more than they do. Oh, sure. Out of an experience. Yep. And, you know, I always look at it and I go, and they're paying me to learn. Mm -hmm. And it's just, they make me so much better. And, uh, but there also comes back to, and I believe this firmly, if there's not a price that's being paid we're not going to take it as seriously as we do when there is. Sure. So that was kind of a balance of something I had to learn early on. You know, you can give away a lot of free advice. I mean, I can go sit down and have a drink with a buddy. And at the end of the night, you know, we might fist pump, high five each other. We're going to get in our cars and go home and it's over. And that was a good conversation. And I might've dropped the same valuable information and that I would have, if somebody were paying me and it just means something different. So, yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. Just kind of a difference of, uh, you know, having somebody write you a workout plan, uh, as opposed to somebody being there coaching you and right. actually like making sure. Cause right. I would imagine, and I don't know if you have, I read this st- statistic, so I don't, you know, I, with the internet and everything, right. I don't know if it's a hundred percent accurate, but, um, I think there was a study that said it takes about 90 days to start a new habit. Yes. So uh, do you think that when you start working with a client that the first 90 days are more intensive or? That's a very good question. Uh, I think what I see happen sometimes, and I've seen such a variety of it, sometimes people will bring me in because they know they want to get to the next level and they're not sure how to get there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they bring me in because they think it's their last effort before they have to make the ultimate choice and move on. And I don't know that I see so much in the first 90 days. 
but I will see breakthroughs in those 90 days. Mm. And in one case, you know, I'll, um, uh, highly motivated people, usually more than anything, I have to help them find focus because their, their work ethic isn't the issue at all. It's just, how are we going to focus our energy? Right. And then we have others who maybe are, I'm their last line of defense before they maybe decide to just have to roll it up. They're in such a tough state mentally that it's not as much creating a new habit as it's, as it is to stop the slide that they're in and try to change directions. And I just, this summer had that happen with a client and it was the point I'm like, I don't know if me taking another check from them is going to be beneficial for them. Mm. And, you know, as I'm mulling that over, I have one more meeting and I just kind of give it the old, you know, here's where I'm at. And this is, this is what absolutely needs to start happening because internally I'm kind of the point I'm like, this is maybe a waste of my time and a waste of their money. And it's just like at about that mark, it changed. Mm. And it was just tremendous to see how that change really happened. So I see a lot of that, um, that happened too. So it can go a couple different ways, but I work with a lot of highly motivated people that want to be successful. So creating new habits isn't, uh, well, I guess there's their new habits, but motivation isn't a big problem for those folks. It's usually more or less how we channel our energies. Okay. Yeah. So it's not really an answer to your question, but I, I can see uh, there's always kind of that several month in where we start to see certain breakthroughs. That yeah. They understand. Uh, and, and I'll even just, you know, we'll go through, they'll even tell me what needs to happen and I'll come back one or two months again and nothing's changed. And then I'm finally like, are we just spending your money for the heck of it? Or, you know, are, are you serious about this? Cause yeah. You know what you need to do, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna respond to any reinforcement I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna now write this off as a loss leader, and we know we're gonna lose twenty five percent of our money over here, and you're just gonna live with that. Gotcha. And then it's kind of like, oh, no, we get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of that conversation you got to have sometimes, and it's just I tell folks I'm gonna walk beside you. Sometimes I'm gonna get behind you. I'll put my hand on your shoulder. I may push you, but. Decisions take a lot of courage mm-hmm. in a lot of cases because uh, I work with a lot of small businesses, and so you end up having a lot of relationship dynamics that play into those decisions. Right. So, um, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned briefly was this upcoming event. You're starting to get into putting on events. You had one in yes. January that we covered here, um, you know, just... Uh, in Kelowna here, what do you sort of see that becoming in the future? Because this one that's coming up, I think is a lot bigger than the one that you did before. So how, you know, obviously maybe you don't, can't see all the way down at the, you know, the end of the vision, but where do you see it going as of now? I probably don't see more than maybe uh, at this point, more than maybe one event a year. Uh, originally we were going to try to pilot two and three of them, but we've kind of reorganized some of that. And, um, I think what has happened is the events are going to get so much larger and they Mm. take a lot more preparation to put together. One of the other things though, that are changing, what I had started out doing was just really one-on-one coaching. Mm -hmm. 
and we're rolling out some peer groups, which will all be announced at that event. Uh, simply be a group of 10, maybe 12 business owners, and uh, it's not going to be necessarily one like type of business, but we're going to, there'll be monthly communication and probably some weekends at whatever location they choose where we're going to, you know, we're going to get in depth. It's going to be deeper than what are your sales numbers and what are your goals? I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to be kind of getting in there with a battle buddy and, and developing some relationships. So we're going to start some, we're starting some peer groups, uh, doing a mastermind. That's going to be a one-time event. That's the one I think that will evolve into more. It's going to be really, it's going to be a high cost, high energy, and it's going to be, uh, a selective number of people and it's going to be just a one-time like probably on about a two-day deal and we're going to get you know i mean it's it's uh it's going to be time to go through the underwear drawer i mean it's time to figure out where you're at mentally emotionally what are your habits what are the dirty little secrets that you want to hang on to mm -hmm. you know that's what that's going to be and it's going to be a uh that's going to be we're rolling that out as well at that event and kind of depending on supply and demand on that uh, how much we do that and a little bit, uh, maybe create a couple different ones there that have different price points, but those are going to be, uh, a little pricier events. And then, uh, uh, of course, speaking continues to pick up mm -hmm. not only for me, but you know, I've got, uh, a few others that are starting to work with me that are, that enjoy speaking and do a, do a really good job of it. And so, you know, motivational speaking for companies and organizations is becoming, uh, I mean, it's just something we can get into a lot more. So yeah. we're going to be doing that. And uh, the one-on-one -on -one coaching is always going to happen, I guess. We're still going to push forward with that. Uh, we're gonna, but we're starting to also do more uh, team building. So we'll go into office settings and... Uh, or maybe even a like a school district and do personality assessments and talk about this and uh, you know the difference in personalities and I know a lot of uh, educators uh, they already have you know they probably get some training on that but I just know from my past experience I'm I uh, I grew up and this is maybe a strong word but I thought it was dumb mm. and you know I flunked some grades. And that's plural, yes. Mm -hmm. And it was just because, you know, I, I just didn't think I was a smart person. But what I now know is they just didn't understand me. Sure. I had a learning disability and still do, but they just didn't understand me. And I think if we can start to raise that awareness, even in the school districts and things, yeah, with educators working with children, there's some really smart kids if they get focused in and are approached and taught the right way and you can understand what that is. So yeah, certain things create those mental blocks to keep people from learning too. For sure. Yeah. And this is probably a, a topic for a different time, but I, I feel like that's probably one of the reasons that the homeschool uh, program just here in, in the mid Prairie district is blowing up. I think so. I think parents are starting to see that, um, yeah, and I didn't homeschool my kids and I'm not an advocate of it because I'm not a teacher. Sure. But I, I absolutely know parents that do that because they know their kids have certain learning needs mm -hmm. and they can meet those in that, in that, under that umbrella. That right. They couldn't just sending them into a, basically a general population, you know, where they're not as maybe one-on-one, -on -one, uh, have one-on-one -on -one attention as much. But yeah. 
So that's, yeah, that happens. We're still doing a lot of one-on-one coaching. It's going to continue. It's just going to have to happen with more people than myself. Sure. So So you're looking to expand and kind of grow your your team. Yep. We're going to be introducing some, uh, some new coaches at that event. And, uh, so it's, it's exciting. I, to tell you exactly where it's going and how it's all going to work yet. I don't have that. So I guess when you, uh, ask me back to the original question, where do you see it going? And I think you, maybe you emailed me this, you know, where do you see it in say five years? I'm maybe segueing ahead into Mm -hmm. your next question. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's probably the one thing that I feel just a bit out of control in mm. because what I have learned to do and help others do is be very thorough in our, in our planning and setting goals. And, um, I set a goal for 2021 and I hit it by January the 29th, which blew my mind. Yeah. So I just sat down and doubled it and I hit it. By August. <laughs> That's awesome. That is and so, so great. I don't even have one for the rest of this year. So I'm not a good, I'm not, so you're just at the, go- you're at the golf course, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm working more than I probably ever have in certain ways, but I'm so much more efficient than I ever have been. So mm-hmm. it's been, uh, I'm probably trying to get my mind around a little bit of even where to set a goal for next year, because I'm rolling out all these programs. I don't know how they're all going to, how they're all going to come together yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some general goals and I'm not ready to release them and I'll have them by the end of the year. Yeah. But to say where I'm at in five years, I just can't even, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I understand <laughs> why this is happening the way it's happening. And yeah. It's, uh, it's caused me to make some changes even on uh, with Century Insurance and it's causing, you know, changes in the real estate business that I have. And it's, uh, it's just because I have to manage things in my time so differently. Yeah. So it's, it's a really steep, uh, learning curve for myself as well. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, this is, uh, my last question and I didn't send this to you. So, um, just what you were saying made me think of it when you're planning ahead or you're writing out your goals, what do you do? Um, in terms of, and I don't know the right way to ask this, but maybe like, you know, like atmosphere wise, do you go somewhere like, cause I've noticed that, um, you know, I used to hear stories all the time of like writers and, you know, people who were creating stuff going away on like going to a cabin for a weekend and kind of separating themselves. And I was kind of, kind of thought, well, that's weird. Like, can't you just do it at home? But I found that the most creative ideas and, you know, sort of goals and dreams happen when I'm on vacation or sort of separated from the business. So I was just curious, do you find that for yourself? How do you sort of get in uh, dream mode, I guess, is my question. Well, there's actually some science involved. And one reason you're having a uh, maybe a broader scope to dream about where you want to grow your business when you're on vacation is because you've probably done some traveling. You've seen you're either at an ocean, you're in the mountains, or somewhere where you have an open field of vision. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, your mind opens up. But if you're going to sit in a dark little room with no windows, you may become a really good IT person, but mm-hmm. you're not going to be a visionary in that room. 
And so there is some science in how that happens. And okay. so I have a place where I live, which is very secluded, uh, where I can do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But I also will hop a plane. There's a beach in Florida I love to go to, and it's not that expensive for me to turn that trip. And uh, yeah, and and but yeah, those are kind of the two places. Uh, and there's times I've done that, and all of a sudden I'm in a motel room by myself. But it's just been with the travel and the things that happened that all of a sudden it opened up. A lot of my ideas come to me as I'm driving down the road. Just I, and I travel quite a bit, so mm-hmm. uh, I will tend to pull over all of a sudden and just you know burn the pen up for a bit. Yeah, and then get back on the road and drive again. But it's it's back to your mind will start to expand if if you have an office, and you have got you know say your president, VP, a couple of your decision makers. Uh, a good good exercise is take them out to some conference for the day, mm. and instead of flying, drive, and have a list of questions and have somebody ready to write some things down. You're probably going to get more ideas out of that road trip than you ever will at the conference, which that conference will probably help create some uh, maybe expansions in their mind Mm -hmm. that they can dream and think a little bigger, but you're probably going to accomplish more in that two-day trip just because your field of vision is opened up. You know, you're out on the open road. And so there's, uh, when we get into our mind, that's that's a whole other topic, but I go there with people quite a bit. And so meditation's a big deal to me. I I really visit with folks about that a lot, mm-hmm. but uh, if if we can go through some steps and learn how to meditate, there's really unlimited uh, possibilities on what we have in inside. I mean, we've got a, you know, I'm going to probably screw this up because I'm not a doctor, but a right, <laughs> yeah. a right, a left, a frontal lobe in our brain. Oh, okay. Seldom do the three connect, mm-hmm. but if we can ever get even two of them to connect. And much less all three, we're going to start to come up with an incredible amount of brain power. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't tap into that a lot, usually uh, culturally even. And, you know, I'm not blaming millennial, but just typically we're so busy, we don't take the time to slow down mm. and really take that time for ourselves. But uh, I try to, even in the process of decision-making, I make sure I have that time alone. And there's yeah. some places I go out, you know, just in nature too, but. Awesome. So I don't know if that answers your no, question, it does. but it's it kind does. of a, de- it's kind of a deep one. Uh, yeah. And it's a lot deeper in what I can put into that, but uh, you're absolutely right. Most great ideas come out of some form of meditation somewhere yeah. or something that open expands your uh, possibilities. Cause two things happen when you get away from that on vacation, like what you just mentioned for yourself. One, you're away from the stresses of, oh, I got to send this email. I got to have this, you know, right. out for somebody by two o'clock. Those things are just kind of gone. Mm-hmm. And you've kind of tuned that that part out. And then your your mind's just sitting there on the beach. I mean, just, you know, you've got your Corona and you're sitting there just <laughs> right. looking across the ocean. I mean, yeah. it seems like the options are in, are just endless yeah. for you. And when that happens, you just start to think a lot differently and bigger. Yeah. So. Well, that makes me want to take a vacation now. So, <laughs> hey, in the summer you can get in Allegiant for about 40, 40 to fifty bucks. <laughs> oh, I know it's it's wild. There's it's it, they're making it impossible not to take a vacation. Well, um, you know, honestly, I I feel like I could talk to you for another hour, but I know that uh, we both need to go do stuff. Right. So, uh, just last question: Where can people find you? Um, 
And any closing thoughts? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, Gary Bond Trigger Consulting. Uh, we have a website. You can go out there and find us there. Uh, we have a page on Facebook and Instagram, and we post things out there. Uh, we've got a conference coming up November the 12th in Columbus, Ohio. If you're listening to that before then, feel free to uh, you know Google us and find us out there on one of those pages. Uh, just reach out, send us a message. But we are more than happy to visit, see what opportunities maybe lie ahead for both of us. So uh, one of the passions we have is just seeing at Gary Bontrager Consulting is just seeing lives changed mm -hmm. and really people finding their own uh, potential is the big thing. And so uh, my, my goal is to help everybody be more successful than I am. So it's, it's, it's just all about helping other folks. and reaching back and pulling them up so yeah that that's my closing statement on yeah, that one yeah well that's a great great way to live and something that i certainly aspire to do as well so thank you so much for taking the time today uh we greatly appreciate it and i know our listeners are better having heard this conversation and all of your insights so thank you so much well thank you john it's my pleasure Thank you so much for tuning into the Story Now podcast. Before we go, we just wanted to give a special thanks to Justin Goodchild, who wrote and performed the song that you are hearing now. And please be sure to follow us on all our social media channels, and we'll see you in the next episode. When you hunger in the tooth, you take your mind off one small truth. No matter what you got, it's never gonna make you whole. Sunday morning, take your rest. Think of all that you've been blessed with. Appreciation will 